0: Welcome to the RODcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset backed businesses, investments and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello
1: everyone and welcome to another episode of the ROGcast. Today I have Robert Godwin as my guest. He's the Managing Director of Lamington Group, which is a 50-year-old privately owned real estate investment and development business. At only 31 years old, he has led the company into quality design-focused residential and commercial investments and tripled the company's size in seven years. The company was awarded in the 1,500 fastest growing companies in Europe, and recently, they started the brand Room 2, which combines the best of hotels and Airbnb. And as well as all of that, he's represented his country in the Olympic sailing team. So welcome, Robert. Thank
0: you very much for uh, for joining me today. Great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. i was a to make a small, small point. Just I didn't quite make it the British Olympic team as a development team, which is trading towards the Games, but... Um, it was, it was on the direction, but not quite that level, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's far better than I've done, put it that way. Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> so Robert, I mean, you've got a fascinating story, and I guess we want to start with the fact that your business that you run is a 50-year-old business. So I'm guessing this was a family business started in the 60s. Can you give us a bit of a background about the early days of the, of the company?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yes, it's a a second generation of family property company. Um, So Lumberton Group was established by my my father back in the 60s, late 60s, uh, as really just a residential development uh, company, breaking up houses into sort of smaller smaller flats in West London. Um, That was sort of sort of day-to-day business uh, and they would sell them on. Um, but in the 80s, the uh, heavy recession hits and uh, the properties which were basically due to be sold couldn't be uh, and the business started to shift into a sort of more sort of lettings based um, business model. So in the late 80s, we were becoming sort of landlords um, looking after rental income. Um, and then sort of 90s and early 2000s, um, you know, developments continued and, and but definitely on sort of the, the residential investment and residential development uh, was was where the business sort of started. Okay, brilliant. And so you weren't around in the sixties. Did you always know you
1: were going into the family business, and how did you know it was the right time to join? And did you ever have plans to do anything else, or did your father want you to go into industry? So how did how did kind of you you make the jump in there?
0: Um, I've never really considering that much level of sort of we thought about too much in which direction I was heading in because I don't think I was ever really pushed into a direction or sort of urged or suggested to go to join a family business it was very very natural um, we were always involved at dinner table meetings and always at um, conversations around the dinner table and sort of got to see you know the activity that Sort of father was doing, what the mother was doing in the business, and so sort of it was always around, and it was always going in at sort of a, a subconscious level. And uh, growing up, I had a lot of interest in sort of more sort of building, construction, uh, and sort of architectural things. And uh, yeah, it became a very natural conversation. I was keen to help uh, help um, parents out in a few areas of the business whilst I was at university, and uh, on a small project we came to, um, and then straight off to university, I just saw that. I was keen to help um, and move things on. where I saw a bit of an opportunity to advance them, Cause, cause um, studied, and it was very naturally. Sorry, you,
1: you studied real estate, didn't you? At, um, was it Reading?
0: Or well, I, I did uh, industrial economics okay. uh, at Nottingham, and then I did a master's in in, in uh, Reading in real estate.
1: Okay, great. So, I mean, that set you set you on the course to
0: probably wanting to show. Yeah, you- it was very natural. Um, yeah, which is which is, which, is, which is nice.
1: And how did you get on, kind of as a family um, working together? Because I, I know, I know a few family businesses like that, and uh, and definitely the dinner, like you can't escape it—the dinner table chat and sort of yeah, go a bit well, I think I, sometimes.
0: Yeah, everyone was sort of bought into the, to the the common mission of of, of trying to sort of grow uh, something, and it was all very exciting to look at new projects. Um, but as I sort of moved in in my early twenties into the business, um, and I was working really very closely with my. Oh, <laughs> I was super keen, super eager, and you know had lots of ideas. And my father's in his late seventies and seventies at the time, and um, I definitely had um, different sort of more relaxed, sort of laid-back view on some some things. Or, so, uh, and I was definitely trying, keen to try and make a difference and, and push on with the modern way of doing things. And we definitely found some resistance at points. Um, but at the same time, we were super keen to um, to try and grow. But um, yeah, we definitely hit the sort of the family business kind of classic kind of internal you know frustration should we say um and as we've become a bit more professionalized and the business has sort of grown we've got sort of stronger people in the, in the respective fields that sort of quiet down but um but yeah we we had it all and uh, you know that's part of it and I enjoyed every minute of it because it's all you know it's a pleasure to work with my father and um, yeah and I enjoyed it a, a lot so.
1: so at what point did you take over the reins from you from your dad then
0: Probably about five years ago was when it sort of uh, it really became apparent that uh, I was able to sort of to drive the business in in different ways and um you know had a, a huge focus for many many early years just in terms of taking each department that we were working on. So as from a residential business we had um you know a letting's agency and I really wanted to make sure we were revamping that and, and bringing it up to standard and improving all the systems which we had, looking at accounts, looking at our at our offer our you know, online presence uh, and it was basically project by project by project um, saw big opportunities sort of put us basically in the twenty first century. Um, and really start to sort of gear the company up, and start to then look out, you know, direction which we wanted to take ourselves, which was, you know, we were inspired by some of the sort of the, you know, which, who inspired us, and, and to take sort of, least out of their book, uh, and try and draw them into our into our business and our model, and then over time things just, you know, you start to sort of, found start to look high and high into the sort of market leaders in, in, in the respective fields, and um, you know, you, you quite quickly I found that, you know, you've I suppose maybe you know, I've got a sporting background, but there's no point sort of shooting for sort of mid market um necessarily in terms of the product that you kind of are you know the quality that you're trying to um, offer you know is we had a we want to do something and we're going to do it really well um and you know to put our put our back into it and, and create you know um good value for for our for our tenants and our guests
1: and and so what were, what were some of the difficulties and challenges that you faced then when taking over this sort of quite established business by that point, I imagine, that had been operating for some time with, a, with a, probably a pretty decent track record.
0: Yeah, so I, I think initially definitely was um, a little bit of of uh, uh, internal sort of family um, discussions over new ideas and, you know, old way of doing things, new way of doing things. Um, and I had lots of ideas, not that much experience. And so the energy was was there, but uh, maybe not the experience. So it's had to be guided, uh, I suppose, at the beginning. But there was a huge opportunity in the you know, early stages really for me to come and put in new systems and previous systems and um, you know little basic things really but it was a business which was run by about uh, my father my mother my father and, and one or two other people so it was a business of, for four that were running the lettings part of the company or the lettings and development part and um quite a small team really um, with a small office and so there's lots of opportunities to, to to raise the raise the bar and you know to build our, our systems better and yeah I suppose over, over time the business is now probably 60 people Plus, um, you know, and due to grow a lot, a lot bigger with with our future sort of expansion. And um, as time has gone on, we've been, you know, fortunate to be able to hire increasingly good people. And I, you know, I say increasingly because it's, it's every year I sort of found myself. Or if you said over over time, increasing the caliber of people that we can attract um, and the kind of caliber that they they, they are at um, and, the, and the expertise that they can bring to the business, and it's been basically a stepping you know a ladder really. You know, we couldn't have had the high skill people at the beginning, and and over time we, we've noticed that. So um, you know, with their support as well, we we really yeah as we move forwards and um, and the systems get better and you know more integrated. But you know, I have my head in my hands sometimes because just every day that goes on, um, you know, there's so much so much to to do so much you know i admire the biggest businesses in the world with with the complexity that they have um you know and simple it's just mountains of little things and you you know each product to be tackled one by one and get it right and so there's no sort of stone left unturned and you know it's about building right foundations and right from you know having good fundamentals if you if you get the the, the, you know the um, foundations in place and you know you, you know that if in rocky times like we are now you've got a good sound business model with sound Principles and you know, good people that back it and believe in it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get through that and you know be strong in the long term. So you know one of my things has never been to sort of do you know be necessary um, to sort of compromise or to have also sort of settle for a sort of that will do. Um, it's go down once and you do it once and do it properly, and then you can move on to the next prob- uh, problem or, or project because there's many, many of those. Yeah, absolutely.
1: When we talk to various different people with varying size businesses. One thing we notice is the smaller a business is, then usually the rate at which it can grow is faster, due, due most likely to the risk profile that that business has and having, having less to lose. And since 2010, the average annual growth of Lamington Group has been around 16%, which for a business of its size is, is pretty, pretty impressive. So what have some of the challenges been in terms of scaling and growing the business over that period? And what would be your advice to people looking to scale their kind of asset-backed businesses, whether they're development or investment businesses, that may be younger and smaller than than the business you're you're in, that's been around for decades?
0: Um, Well, uh, over that time, it's been we were were fortunate, fortunate really, to come into a business where there was relatively low debt, and I know that's a very fortunate position to have, um, and that has really, I suppose, helped facilitate the kind of the growth and. Um, so we were drawing organically, drawing debt across across the portfolio, and using that to sort of then go and to buy new properties and develop them and, and add to the stock. That was a you know a huge advantage. But at the same time, going looking at all the all the buildings we had, and looking at extensions, looking at additions, looking at um, conversions to basically add value. Um, and that's been ongoing. So there's, there's been a huge program of of, of constant building work of, of what we have, um, looking and never really accepting. Um, know from a planner to basically just get what we need get what we really want and fight for it um, and literally nine times out of ten they they'll give it to you if you just don't go away um, so and <laughs> so let's just keep trying but also just going through a refurbishment stock looking at our rental in- income looking at um, how to Im- improve our uh, rental yields basically identifying which ones can be uh, renovated and brought up to, s- to, suspend- to st- uh, spec and um, you know basically trying to asset manage uh, the portfolio uh, and squeeze as much out of it as possible so there's been lots of opportunity within the existing business to do that and, and that's just about trying to you know deliver um, or asset manage really um, but then the, the, the growth has really come from shifting our model from uh, long-term residential into short-term residential so that's a sort of the service department where we organically grew from a handful of apartments about well, under, under one of our brands of about 65 at the moment and then another one we about 90 um, and that's the one I'm focusing on to grow but um Shifting to a shorter term business um, lettings model does drive increased revenue for, for sure, but the business model shifts entirely. So you're going from a you know, smaller company of four or five people to, to 60 people um, and you are providing an, an operational business, a hotel like product. Uh, and so that was a huge part of um, the last few years. Is really becoming more of a hotel company, a hospitality company, and providing service and housekeeping and getting the standards in place, getting systems in place, the technologies, platforms for sales and marketing. You know, there's a huge amount to do, uh, and I sort of feel that we're sort of largely through that, um, and we're sort of at a point where we're very happy with what we provide and how it works. But um, it's been a—I wouldn't say it's been difficult, but it's been a lot of work. Um, But it's—I think you know—it's worth it through the other end if if that's a direction people want to go to, to more of an investment to more of an investment model to an operational model. Operational models have, um, you know, have value in itself. And if someone wants to exit, there is, you know, um, there's good value in that. And, and building a brand is, is great value in that. So, you know, part of our sort of strategy was has been organically. We moved into service departments and then it's been shifted into a uh, um, parking. That really now we're now looking at this this longer or this hotel model um, with a building um, room two is Our as our hometown brand, uh, and that's where we sit. We're starting to see sort of um, real scale, and that's where we are starting to well, our buildings have basically become bigger from houses to, to, to commercial um, hotels. And um, it's hard to go, it's hard to sort of step sideways. I think I found that, you know, I'm ambitious and I'm sort of keen to move, to 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 do more and stuff. And, you know, the next project is usually just a little bit bigger. And, and some of the projects have been quite significantly bigger. And they have been a few, you know, initially quite like big gulps. And like, crikey, this is a huge step. And you actually haven't got the all the answers at all. Um, and it's a leap of faith. And it's, you know, branch will say, you know, just say yes and then then work out how to do it and uh, that's been a lot of what we have done initially to to, to jump and um and I quite I love that sort of mentality of say yes, you know you know it's right it's built for good foundation fundamentals, and you'll work out how to do it do it and, and, and I suppose that's been a rapid growth and then <clears throat> and, and you know into the future uh, it will hopefully accelerate further um way some of the things we've got planned so yeah so I mean you mentioned room two there
1: what was the decision? Or thought process behind adapting what you were doing into that brand was it? Was it just that you talked about the increased um, the increased income, or was there something else behind that?
0: So yes, service apartments are essentially flats um, for a, let's say a one or two bedroom flat. You can achieve a rental income for that um, per night. Um, you can achieve about the same level of income in reality, just generally speaking, for a hotel product which has a bit more service, maybe a bit of ancillary services but it's half the size or a third of the size. So per square foot, you can actually achieve a greater income you do uh, you know so, so running a hotel and you know to, to grow a brand and to grow something which was boutique and design from the offset uh, and a brand which I really got behind uh, really sort of be passionate about uh, we had to sort of start from scratch and we had to do it on scale and to do it on scale to do sort of cycle buildings which would uh, in turn attract investors and investment from institutions or prime investors or whoever um, you have to be doing you know 100 plus um, hotel rooms and that's uh, buildings and that's really when you start to see efficiencies as well so a hotel is 100 rooms or 70 i think 75 really is what we find it, um, plus to start to see sort of hotel opportunities work but yeah so we we i saw you know i wanted to create a, a boutique brand which we could really um grow into the future and um that's where room two came about and, and room two for us is it's effectively in a part hotel uh, It's easy to think of it as that where it has a hotel with all the hotel facilities the lounge coffee cocktail bar gym laundry and on-site service um but you have kitchens and kitchenettes in the room. So people have the flexibility to, to eat in if they want or go out if they, you know, if they want to eat out. It gives the, the ability for you to stay for a, a short, you know, one, two, three nights as you would in a hotel, or you're up to sort of maybe two or three weeks as you would in a surf department, but you have that you have that choice um and you have the facilities downstairs and the service. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to combine the best bits of hotels, uh, Airbnb and surf departments. And we think we brought some sort of the sort of gel that together, um, to try and create the best experiences with, with the facilities people want, with the choice that they want, um, and create a product which which is, you know, it's not complicated. Um, but it, you know, we, we do put a huge amount of effort into the into the design, into the experience, and into the brand, and and that for us is what the value is. Um, because otherwise, we're in a market which is extremely competitive. Anyway, you have to stand out, and you have to you have to deliver a good product for people to come back in, in the worst of our times. And if, if you if your product is not strong, then you know in times like this people will, will, will you know won't be around i mean all hotels are shut right now but um you know in downturns and dips or in cycles you know you've still got to be a, a place people want to go to above someone else's and so that your business is sound and, and it's not not too exposed hotels can be um a volatile industry and um so you've got to do it right but um but yeah it's uh it's great it's fun it's, it's, it's unfortunate very fortunate to be able to do to be able to design a brand and, and that i would like to stay at myself and um you know, design something just fun and, um, you know, not corporate and um, it's great. <laughs> so
1: who's your ideal customer for that then?
0: So we, I mean, the, the model, again, it's always, so, you know, one of, one of the strategic points of this is, is really, um, it's very important for us. So yeah. hotel is mostly suited for people who stay on a one, two, three nights. You know, you can stay there, you a suitcase and then you'll, you'll stay there for a few nights, eat out and then come and go. Um... With an apartment or service department, you can stay for a, for a, you know two or three months and and an apartment hotel is somewhere I suppose in the, in the middle and um, definitely suitable for people who want to stay one or two or three nights, but people who want to stay for you know two or three months can do the rooms a little bit smaller but um, you know, the right price that they will so you can attract people from a, on a short stay medium stay longer stay in an in apartment in a hotel in, in a hotel so we have a, a huge range of length of stay, which is really really important to try and um stabilize the income stream that we have so we we're less susceptible susceptible to having friday night saturday night um, leisure demand, or a bit of peaks of corporate on tuesday and wednesday and, and nothing on sunday we ride that out with with a much more sort of base business of this so the longer stay as well so we have people in all week um which is which is a good thing for for income stability um at, at the same time our product is designed to be uncorporate. we think the corporate design stiff um model of being very just stiff and all these hotel rules it's just you know people are a bit bored by it. i think it it doesn't saps energy from you it's it's, um i think people want a bit more sort of the feeling of independent sort of brands i think gets people behind it and um more connected to it and so we wanted to create a place which was a lot more leisure focused and a lot more relaxed a lot more fun you know sort of energetic and um and so the, the, the product appeals directly to leisure but at the same time um most of our business or two-thirds of our business is corporate and and corporates are attracted to this because we all, you know, whether we, we work for a corporate, we don't have to be stiff all the time and have all these corporate rules. We still want to enjoy where we live and where we stay. And so we're trying to um, yeah, raise the bar for corporate hotels. And so effectively we have uh, the ideal guest really is, is a short, medium, long stay and um, leisure corporate um, and young and old and um, all, all walks of life. And uh, that's what's really crazy. An amazing buzz that we have. I think we're very fortunate to have this sort of um, this amazing culture of kids who will run around. Older older um, people will be there. Great. It's just an atmosphere um, of sort of families and home, and it's a very inviting and very relaxed place. And um, so very diverse mix of people.
1: Fantastic. Well, you're clearly very very passionate about it. So you mentioned the volatility in the hotel industry. What are some of the things that you have done? And also, you mentioned kind of when you. Took on more debt to expand. How do you determine when is a good time to stretch the company's balance sheet? Then, in that term, versus a or hope that it's not going to be a volatile situation. I mean, no one could have seen this coronavirus situation coming up on us, and I imagine it's affected you guys as it, as it has every every other business. But how do you determine at what when's the right time to take on more debt to take on more risk? To meet, even take on development risk on sites, and uh, and when's the right time not to, and to just concentrate on streamlining processes.
0: So I think I think sort of the, the debt question. I think I mean, I'm at university, is studying quite a lot of the bigger companies out there, and the secs and the development sec, and all the big sort of listed companies, um, and I studied them and looked at their debt structures, and they would sit at around about fifty. 50 to 60% really was where the corporate would basically say, that's it, that's the level of debt, which we're going to have to have. Landsat would always try and, for example, reduce their debt prior to a sort of a crash, because then that's when they actually become quite aggressive. Um, but 60% is really where banks will end up to you, high street lenders will lend up to you quite comfortably for commercial, residential, you can achieve a little bit more. But from a commercial point of view, six percent uh, above 60, 60%, you have to sort of scratch a little bit harder. Um, you will have to be paying a premium. Uh, and it becomes harder to, to get partners for. So we, we are sort of arriving at that point um, where it has become a bit more tricky to find debt and what we use for sort of, for schemes. But as a, you know, as a long-standing company, the last thing I want to do is jeopardise its, its um, long-term stability. And so we are doing a bit of a restructure to carve off the long-term business uh, and, and basically run it as a much as a 60% debt company, which is is a, is a safe level. Um, high street banks, I think, will be happy to lend to that. More, most of them um, is when you hit 65, I think, well, it's probably when you hit 70, 70 plus, and put mes on that's I think is is um, it's a concern, and it doesn't fit with my risk profile of, of what I feel comfortable with personally. So we're we're, we're parking that and actually carving it off, so that it's, it's not a massive risk. And then with our room two business, which is definitely a high growth business, and we we'll be we're setting it up so we could take on investment in the future from um, equity partners or um, investors or whatever. We're basically setting up so that um, it will be a higher re- uh, higher risk part of the business, which which is what we accept. Um, but it's going to be high growth, and so with that, there will be there probably will be a little bit high debt. But part of our model is is not to necessarily. Um, just, just gear up to the point where we, we can't breathe. Um, it is to, to go through different uh, management models. Um, so, ownership model is, is, is definitely a preference, but you know, you go so far. Um, lease models for hotels um, and management contracts um, and having a blend of that will, will basically give stability. And so. You know, different income risk reward but um having a blend i think definitely has got to be a priority and not being too exposed and um you know it's times like this where an ownership model obviously is, is, is it proves to be very helpful a Lease model is, is um is, is less less good
1: with those lease models is there a minimum time frame that you would be comfortable getting that lease say like 20 years or is there, is, there, is there any kind of remit on that
0: yeah, definitely. So, so, so in in our world, as we sort of last sort of two or three years, really been learning it to do operate a hotel, to build a hotel, you know, it's a serious capital commitment. It's going to be fifteen million pounds to to, to build it physically, um, and it's going to be done to your specification. So, the landlord, if you do a turnkey, effectively, will be building it to your spec. Will deliver your turnkey product. You walk in, turn the key, and you can operate it for the length of time. For the landlord to really get their income or to to, to um, get return on their investment, they can't have you walking out the door in ten years because you'll have all your brand all over the door. And it's designed for you, so you are signing in for twenty, well, really twenty five years. Um, it's really the minimum length, uh, maybe up to thirty, um, and that's a long term commitment. You know, you are signing up to that with RPI index linked uh, rental increases, which are a very worrying part of leases, uh, if I'm honest, and it's probably likely that. Rent will go up faster than your uh, your your profit or your EBITDA or your, your revenue, and um, so you have to plan for that. But they are they are big liabilities. Um, but at the same time, they don't in theory have that much uh, cost to go into it. There's no capital, it in- depends on negotiation. But it's very limited capital um, investment by the operator. And there is there is a reasonable income, but you've got to be able to run the risk of times exactly like this, where unless you've got a favorable landlord who's supportive and who will um give you rent uh, rent holidays or postpone. Back the leads off. It's it's a, it's a it is. It, there is risks of course, and this you know, WeWork is a very very good example. However, you know if you do it properly and you get the right um, balances, and um, I suppose it's just a balance of, of, of risk and um, not over <laughs> exposing yourself to jumping too quickly. Um, just to do that, so um, absolutely.
1: And and on the on the subject of risk, then what would you say the greatest risk to your business is now, and what are you doing to mitigate those risks? And also, if we separate out the coronavirus issue um, and just have it as, as if it wasn't here, but then also, how's coronavirus affecting you? It must be, obviously, in a big way. And, and what are some of the things that you've put in place now to try and, and help that along?
0: Generally speaking, I think, you know, residential property is fairly safe. You know, that's a fairly um, safe part of our business. Um, the hotel service apartment world is definitely very uh, susceptible to Global travel and you know internal um, domestic travel and we 're experiencing it right now uh, with obviously a huge collapse in basically demand. I think todays sort of a bit of an exception, and hopefully you know, it will pass quickly but there going to be something else in 10 years time. There'll be another recession of sort, and, and effectively these cycles are, are predictable that they will come. And so, um, the biggest risk really is, is, is times like this where you might have a handful or a lot of leases and a lot of competitors do, um, travel lodges have a hell of a lot. And, um, you know, you, you basically can't, you haven't got cash, um, coming in to basically to pay it and then you get, um, your your landlords basically start it starts a sort of a snowball effect of just starting to sort of put it all apart. And um, for me, that that is big fear. That um, I sort of very focus on you know what if and you know, in, the, in the bad times how to, how to be um, stronger than some you know strong as possible. But at the same time, hotels is also a hella supply increase in the in UK. Um, it's massive growth in Hotels in every city, and it's also run run Europe, and so the, the challenge is also being uh, maintaining, staying competitive, choosing locations where basically people will always be, um, you know, good locations, getting a good price or paying a fair rent for it in good locations, um, and getting the fundamentals, choosing a. Uh, a wrong location and designing the wrong product without enough research and, and not really looking forwards into the, the market, and trying to differentiate and not adding enough value to the, cl- the client will mean that in the downturn, you'll be the first person to, you know, not to be stayed at. So not to be, so supply is, is a big concern and obviously these, these cycles are a big concern. Um, and COVID right now, well... We are fortunate that we sort of we're, we've, we've kept our doors open from the hotel arm um, to provide accommodation to key workers, and um, we're actually housing thirty-five homeless people right now in order to try and effectively do some do some good uh, in, in in terms of actually put people in need into into um, hotel rooms which would otherwise be empty. So that's that's a, that's a positive. But yeah. So I mean, and COVID is a. Uh, Definitely, um,
1: <laughs>
0: really lots of chances to up for lots of people.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think I think that's fantastic what you're doing with the key workers and homeless. Definitely. Obviously, at the beginning, you you mentioned that the amount of sheer work you have to do, how broad the company is, the different sectors that you're in. How do you get a good idea on how your business is performing holistically, and what are some of your favourite metrics to monitor?
0: I'm heavily focused on in the hotel world and in, in our guest reviews. That is my main metric really because if I feel that we are delivering good value for our customers uh, and driving and, and adding adding value, delivering good experiences, um, you know, good quality maintained places in good locations, then I think customers will come back and they'll pay for it and they will, you know, give you word of mouth marketing and then they will, they will help your business support it in the long term. And fundamentally, I think that's the most important thing to get right because if you take the eye from the ball on that, then I think, you know, there's, that's, the, that's your source of income. Of course, you know, we need to have one eye on on, on that and one eye also on, on the financials. That's not my job on a day-to-day basis, but um, um, we do need to, you know, the, the two go hand down, obviously. But uh, I, I think fundamentally getting, getting the the, the, um, getting the product right is, is critical and I'm constantly investing in it. We, we throw everything, we get back into the products and, you know, adding, you know, just making it better. And, uh, and I think that's really what's helped us strong reviews means you know people perceive our products well uh, and would choose to come back and they understand which one to do in the model and the marketing uh, and that's really helped us scale and, and then roll out because we have a a pipeline of i think we have six seven uh, hotels coming um which are across the uk and we're you know we've got quite a few in in late discussions right now for um for big buildings and um on sort of a lease model or acquisitions or hma model so Getting the product right and focusing on all the details and all the flows and all of the room experiences and and taking away all the frustrations, getting the design right, getting experienced touch points, for me, is is my main focus. So what are you excited about
1: for the property market? What opportunities are you excited about in terms of the outlook going forward then? Uh,
0: Well, I think right now we're in a sort of a a shift of, of mindset for what we're in. Right now, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I don't think it's necessarily like 2008 in terms of um, necessarily the opportunities with more time for the dust to settle and experience a sort of a a recession which was gaining momentum. And I think, you know, when people, of course, in in real estate and property, you always see right, can I get a good deal with some cheap land out there? But I think people have, it will take time for people to change their perception on what their land is worth in order to be comfortable to sell it at that. Price at at a lower, reduced price with banks and the government. Basically, generally speaking, giving holidays on 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 tax or on mortgages or capital and interest repayments. The 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 the, sort of the the restrictions on the difficulty, the challenges that are going to be faced on sort of short-term payments are, are actually. Being sort of, um, supported. So I, I don't know if there's a massive massive opportunity right now, like there will be in 2008 if things pick up really quickly as our forecast. But um, but nonetheless, I'm heavily focused on that, but i, I you know, interested to see how it unfolds and, and what presents itself.
1: What's the kindest thing someone's ever done for you in business?
0: I, I actually think the kindest thing they've ever done is work so hard um, across the board. I mean, we have, we have a fantastic group of people, um, some being with us for for many, many, many years, and increasing numbers of people coming and joining, and uh, you know, I, I think the kind of thing is, is to believe in what we're trying to do, support the business, and, and grow a brand which we can all believe in and want to be part of, and then um, to put their time, and energy, and the passion into, into into that is, um, I think, is, is extremely powerful. And um, you know, it's it's together that we're we're creating creating room to, and and, and it is for everybody, um, and it's it's trying to create better experiences for for everyone out there. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a coming together of, of, of lots of lots of little things from lots of different people that's
1: fantastic yeah so if people want to find out a little bit more about you and Route two and lamington group
0: where can they do that um well we're about to launch a new website for lamington group um which is lamington.com and that's basically will we'll be a um, you know covers really sort of our history and our projects and our um you know, our future fantastic we'll, we'll we'll
1: make sure we put a, a link to that in the show notes um, so, thank you, Robert. It's been absolutely fascinating um, hearing hearing about the uh, Leamington Group and obviously Room Two. And it's clear that you've got a huge amount of passion and energy for it. So, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens there, and I'm
0: definitely excited to go and stay at Room Two as well. It is a very uh, difficult time for lots of people, lots of businesses, and you know. I just hope that people will uh, will get through it in, in one piece. You know, and at the same time, everyone sort of <clears throat> to be looking out for each other.
1: Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, It's been really, really great getting to know a bit more about what you do. So, thank you. Please join me next time for more detailed discussions about property on The Rodcast.